So have you ever needed help uh, getting refocused? Don't know about you, but as a kid growing up, I couldn't see much of anything without help. Uh, when I would go to the eye doctor, you know, that giant E up on the, I couldn't see the giant E, couldn't see anything. Uh, my vision was pretty bad. And thankfully, there is a thing called LASIK that I was able to get uh, about 20 years ago or so. And it was remarkable to me going from not being able to see clearly without help. Of course, I would wear contacts and glasses and things like that. Uh, but to being able to see clearly. And, you know, Sean and I used to joke about before I had corrective surgery, I would have my glasses beside my bed. I could see what time it was in the middle of the night. I could see anything. And we always said if somebody broke in, all they'd have to do was steal my glasses. And, we, you know, there was nothing that I could do because uh, I couldn't see them. So being able to once again see clearly was a real game changer for me. And I know that there are people who are not able to see not blessed with sight, and they function very well. And I know you can do it, but having had the option of having really blurry vision and really clear vision, I certainly would choose having clarity, and uh, that's, that's something that I think all of us would. So going into the, the beginning of a new year, we're, we're going to be talking about refocusing. We're going to be talking about really gaining some clarity on some things that matter most and I believe this is one of the gifts that COVID has given us this past year is that it has required us to reevaluate some things to um, kind of I guess go back and and really examine what matters most what is most important what are different ways to go about things maybe that that we hadn't thought about before and it for me at least it has been an opportunity to reprioritize some things and I feel like we have a clearer vision now than we ever have before about some priorities and things that God wants us to focus on as a church and these same things I believe are the things that we ought to be focusing on as individuals and so in the next five weeks we're going to talk about those things we're talking about five priorities that uh, we need to refocus on and I want to begin today uh, by talking about one that is probably going to be one of the most difficult ones for most of us to put into practice and here is one of our five key priorities as a church, and that is that we invite. We invite people to Christ and to church. Now, most of us are more comfortable inviting someone to church, and, and that's a wonderful thing, by the way. Please do that and continue to do that digitally and in person and however you go about it. But that's not as important as inviting people to Christ. It's not as important as sharing the good news of who Jesus is. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today. And if ever we um, were given a reminder of the importance of the, the people of God sharing their faith, it's been this past week. I mean, there's been all kinds of craziness. The, you know, the scenes that we've seen on TV and you know, people you know, rushing into the Capitol and just all the chaos and that that has created. Um, I know a lot of people look at that and have a lot of different reactions. A lot of different responses. Many of them are driven by, you know, political viewpoints and things like that. Let me tell you what my reaction is when I see that is it just clarifies to me just how much we need Jesus. How, how much, how desperately we need what God brings to our lives. I mean, when you see, and it's not just that one event, and certainly that was seemed to be the, you know, the focal point and, and, and what brought it all together. But I mean, look at where we've been over the last year as a country, well, a lot longer than a year, but just specifically this last year, and all the unrest, and all the division, and all the hate, and all of these things that we see, the answer to that is Christ. 
He's the one that brings peace. He's the one that, that gives us purpose. And our identity, as we've said many times before, should be found not in a political party or anything else other than in Christ. And as the people of God, we need to come together as God's people, but we also need to come together to share the hope that we have in Christ. This is, this is a time more than any other when we need to do that. And so I've recently gone back and been rereading a book that I read, I think, in college. It's been a long time ago. Uh, and having our staff go through it, having our elders go through it. And I would encourage any of you also to get a copy of it. It's a book called Out of the Salt Shaker. And it's by a lady by the name of Rebecca Pippert. And I love the title because it plays off the, what Jesus said about us being salt and light. But salt doesn't do any good if it stays in the salt shaker. We need to get out of the salt shaker in order to do any good. And so it's a book on uh, the importance of sharing your faith and how to do that. And here's how she starts chapter one with this statement. She said, Christians and non-Christians have something in common. We're both uptight about evangelism. Our fear as Christians seems to be, how many people did I offend this week? We think we must be a little obnoxious in order to be good evangelists. Attention builds inside of us. Should I be sensitive to people and forget about evangelism? Or should I blast them with the gospel and forget about their dignity as human beings? Have you ever thought that way? It's kind of like one or the other. You know, either I, I care about people and I respect their dignity or I just, you know, say, well, I'm going to share the gospel. So here it comes. I'm going to load up my gun and I'm going to blast it at you, whether you want it or like it or not. And I love the approach through this book and really in the scripture that we're going to be in here this morning of, you know, th there is a better way to do that. As we'll talk about in our passage in 2 Corinthians, we're called to be ambassadors for Christ. We represent Christ to other people and I don't ever see Jesus going around blasting people with the gospel. I see him being bold, and I see him confronting sin and doing those kinds of things when necessary. Uh, but we see him loving people and talking to them about who he is. And so, you know, I think most of us have a fear of, uh, you know, being offensive. Maybe we've seen it done. Maybe you know somebody that just doesn't care. And I mean, they're just, I'm just going to tell it how it is. And, and. You know, which is another way of saying I'm just going to be rude a lot of times. And we don't want to be like that. So, so what do we do? Well, a lot of times we go to the other extreme and we just stay quiet. We don't say anything. Here's a question I want you to honestly think about the answer to this question. When was the last time you had a conversation with a non-Christian where you shared the message of the gospel and invited that person to respond in faith to Christ. Has it been weeks? Has it been months? Has it been years? Has it been decades? Or has it been never? I was recently in some training, and I don't know exactly where they got the statistic, but they said 98% of Christians have never shared the gospel with another person, with an unbeliever. 98%. I don't know if it's that high, but I know the number is incredibly high. And that is a significant problem if we're not sharing the good news of Christ uh, with those who need to hear it. And so today I, I want us to talk about how to go about that. Uh, in 1873, Charles Spurgeon preached a sermon where he said this. He said, every Christian here is either a missionary or an imposter. You either try to spread the kingdom of Christ or else you do not love him at all. 
It cannot be that there is a high appreciation of Jesus and a totally silent tongue about him. The man who says, I believe in Jesus, but does not think enough of Jesus ever to tell another about him by mouth or by pen or by track is an imposter. It's clear from the context of this message when he uses the word missionary, he's really talking about an evangelist. He's not saying every person is called to you know, what we would think of, maybe moving to another country and being a, quote, missionary as a vocation. What he's talking about is the fact that every believer has to be a representative of Christ. We have to be evangelists. We have to share the gospel. Let me repeat again that last little phrase. That man or that person who says, I believe in Jesus, but does not think enough of him to ever tell another about him, is an imposter. As a follower of Jesus, I am either an evangelist or an imposter, and so are you. I don't want to be an imposter. I want to be someone who thinks enough of Jesus to tell others about him. I'll be completely transparent with you and tell you I have not been nearly as bold as, as I need to be in this area in recent years. And guys, I have a PhD in evangelism for crying out loud. I know better. I know how to do this stuff. It's just a matter of doing it. It's a matter of being bold. It's a matter of, of praying on a daily basis. God, bring people into my path. Give me sensitivity to, to, to be able to share the good news. And I'll tell you that that the fact that that hasn't been happening in my life, that will change this year. And the culture of evangelism in this church, which frankly stinks, is going to change as well. We will create a culture where we are more bold in sharing our faith and, and, and we'll train you and equip you in that and, and help through that process. But that is going to be a significant priority for our church this year. We need to be bold, not, not obnoxious, as we'll talk about in a minute, uh, but, but we need to be bold in, in sharing our faith. And so it's time to set aside our excuses. It's time to be done with the, well, that's not, just not my personality, or I don't like to talk to people. Or I, you know, God will equip us according to our bent, by the way. And, and if you're an introvert, that doesn't mean you have to just walk up to people on the street and start a conversation. But that means that you can utilize the relationships that you have, that you can find ways that are in alignment with the way God has equipped you to be able to share your faith. It doesn't get you off the hook. All of us are called to share our faith. The Bible does speak specifically of the gift of the evangelist, meaning that there are some people that seem to be gifted to elicit a response to the gospel more than others, but every single person is called to share their faith. That's something that we all are told to do and we must do. And so I want us to jump in today to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 11. And I just want you to listen for the passion that, that Paul has for us uh, representing Christ and sharing the good news. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone 
The new is here. My favorite verse in the Bible, by the way. All this is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and, has get, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That Christ was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This morning I want to share with you three practical truths out of this passage. And it, and it really could be three sermons or three series possibly. But we're going, to, we're going to move through these things fairly quickly. But I want to conclude by actually demonstrating for you a simple method that you can use to, to share your faith. First thing I want to point out is this, coming right out of verse 11, it says, Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. Uh, the first thing we need to do is to focus on God first and foremost. If you want to be effective in, in sharing your faith, focus on God first and foremost. Now that might sound a little odd, because you think, well, wait a minute, if we're sharing our faith with somebody, don't we need to focus on those that aren't believers? Well, yes, there is some truth to that. But first and foremost, we need to focus on God because it says that since we know what it is to fear the Lord. Now some of you think, okay, now I'm with you. You're talking about fear and you're talking about evangelism. Those two definitely go uh, hand in hand for me because it scares the bejeebers out of me to think about talking to somebody else about my faith in Christ. Well, this, this is a little bit different type of a fear here he's talking about, which, which by the way, Whenever some, think with me about this for a minute, whenever we are experiencing the other type of fear, like I'm scared to death kind of fear, where is your focus at that point? Focus is on self, right? Anytime I'm experiencing fear, my focus is on me. If I'm focused on something else, if I'm focused on, on God, then I'm not going to be experiencing that fear of, I, I, I don't think I can do this. I'm gonna be experiencing, okay, God is giving me the ability to do this. But in this case, the word fear is more um, the, the word reverence. Because we have a, a high view of God, because we have a deep reverence for God, because we know what it is to fear the Lord. That's what he's talking about. I mean, w when you have reverence for someone, you adjust your, uh, your, your, your actions, attitudes, behaviors when you are in that person's presence. I mean, think about it like this. Let's say you take a trip to England. Somehow you're able to meet the queen. You're probably going to be told because you're going to be in the presence of royalty. Here are some protocols and this is how you act. This is what you do. This is what you don't do. And you would adjust your behavior because you're in the presence of royalty. Guys, I have news for you. There's really only one true royalty and that's God. And we should adjust everything out of reverence for him. Let him call the shots. You know, if, if you and I are believers, the Bible tells us we are not our own. We were bought at a price. If I identify as a follower of Jesus, then that means that I have said I'm surrendering my life to, to him. He is the boss. He's in control. He calls the shots. I don't. That means when he says, go and share your faith, then I go and share my faith. That's what I'm called to do. But, but thankfully, there's more to it than just an obligation. There's more to it than just I'm going to grit my teeth and I'm going to just push through this and it's going to be miserable and I'm going to hate it, but I'm going to do it because God tells me this is what I'm supposed to do. Now, look at verse 14. Verse 14 says, Christ's love compels us 
Because we are convinced that one died for all, therefore all died. I mean, we're, we're convinced of the message of the gospel, and it's the love of Jesus that compels us. Listen, if, if you claim Christ and, and claim to have a relationship with Christ, but you haven't, your life hasn't been transformed, first of all, I would say go back and, and evaluate, do you really have a relationship with Christ? Because when you come to know Jesus, it doesn't mean you're perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but He does change us, and we do experience a love in Him that we don't experience anywhere else. Even as wonderful as earthly love can be, there is a, a love that God has for us that when you experience that type of love, it's like, wow. I mean, there, there's an incredible sense of peace and fulfillment that comes from that. Because of that, it says that the love of Christ, that, that compels us. That causes us to want to go and share this good news with other people around us. You see, when, when you're really convinced of something, you want to tell people about it. And, and there are people all around you that need to hear that God loves them. You have neighbors that live around you that don't know the love of God. You have uh, people that you work with that don't know the love of God. You probably have people in your own family that don't know the love of God. And it's up to you and it's up to me to tell them about it. Let them know. Let the love of Christ compel us so that we want to share that love with them. You see, when you're passionate about something or you believe something deeply, you don't have to force yourself to share it with somebody if you believe it will be helpful to them. When our youngest daughter was diagnosed with cancer, we had multiple people come to us wanting to share with us things that had been helpful to them in going through similar situations. And it was a, a wide variety of different types of suggestions and ideas and things like that. But the one thing that, that it had in common was everybody came to us because they believed that they had found something helpful and they cared about us and they wanted to share it with us. That's what you do. I mean, nobody, I don't think, was thinking, oh gosh, I don't know if I should say something or if I shouldn't say something. I mean, if they, if they you know, if you feel passionately about something, you believe something, then you want to share it. I mean, think about this. People that, that believe things are generally willing and, and sometimes fairly bold and wanting to talk about what they believe. Why are we not more like that when it comes to sharing our faith? The love of Christ should compel us to want to do that. And so because we fear the Lord, so first and foremost, we're focused on God and loving God. And if we really know Him and love Him, we'll want to share that with people. But then the second thing is, it says because of that, or, or, or when we know the fear of the Lord, it says we try to persuade others. Here's the second thing, is that we need to seek to persuade others toward Christ. And guys, we shouldn't be apologetic about this. We seek to persuade others toward Christ because we believe the message that, that, that we say we believe. Now, there is a difference between persuading someone toward Christ and manipulating or forcing or trying to cram someone down, something down someone's throat. That's not what we're talking about. But neither are we talking about going to the opposite extreme and saying, because I don't want to be that obnoxious person that just crams it down someone's throat, I'm just going to back off entirely and not say anything. You see, we need to try to persuade others. And in order to do that, it requires words. Don't ever buy into the lie that I'll just let my life be a witness. I mean, your life needs to substantiate and, and corroborate what your words say. But I'm going to tell you right now, there's never going to be a person that comes to faith in Christ simply by watching someone's life. They're also going to have to hear the message. What is it that is different about that person? What is it that that person believes? 
And so, yes, we need a, a life that, that reflects who Christ is, but we also need to speak it. We need to seek to persuade others toward Christ. Now, the real question is, if we believe this stuff, why wouldn't we? See, this is what I believe. I believe that Jesus is God who took on human flesh. That he came to this earth and lived as a human being, 100% God, 100% man. And because of that, he was able to live a sinless life. And because he was able to live a sinless life, he was qualified, the only person who was ever qualified, to become a sin substitute for us. He was able to give himself, he was able to, to die in our place. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Jesus paid that price, the wages of our sin, himself, because he didn't have to pay it for himself. So he gave up his life for us. He died on the cross for us. But the story doesn't end there. They, they placed his body, his lifeless body, in a tomb. But on the third day, the, the big stone was rolled away from the entrance of the tomb. And Jesus walked out. The tomb is now empty. Jesus is alive. And because Jesus is alive, we can have life in him if we put our faith, our trust in him. See, I also believe that, that the Bible is speaking the truth when it says that if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised Him from the dead, then we will be saved. And I've experienced that, and I know what God has done to transform my life as I put my trust in Jesus. I believe that. And because I believe that, why wouldn't I want to share that, that message? Why would we not want to share something? One of the reasons is... Because of fear. We don't want to offend people. We don't want people to think that we're crazy. We don't want to push people further away from God. I mean, we can come up, I'm just, we don't think we're qualified to do that. We're afraid people ask questions we don't have the answers to. I mean, we can come up with tons of excuses. None of them hold water. The bottom line is this. It is up to us to seek to persuade other people toward Christ. But here's the good news. It is not up to us to convert anybody. Seek to persuade, absolutely. I mean, listen to what Paul says. At the end of verse 20, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's pretty strong persuasion right there. We are imploring you to be reconciled to God. He's doing everything he can to persuade his listeners to, to come to Christ. But this is the same guy that in a letter written to the same church, the first letter of the Corinthians, in chapter 3 talked about how some people plant the seed, some people water the seed, but God is the only one who can make the seed grow. We don't convert anybody. That's God's job. And that ought to take the pressure off of us to realize we just look for opportunities. And when there's an open door, take it. And by the way, if there's a closed door, that's okay too. If you seek to share your faith with somebody and they just shut you down, it's okay. To, to just kind of back off a little bit and realize that maybe that's not an open opportunity at that particular time. Well, one more thing that I want us to look at, and then I'll, I'll give you a, a little demonstration of something that you can utilize. Um, again, in verse 11, the end of verse 11 says this. It says, what we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. Paul is saying this, we never tried to trick anybody. We never tried to pretend to be something that we weren't. Here's the third thing that, that I want to encourage you to do when it comes to sharing your faith. Be genuine. 
be genuine. Don't try to be somebody you're not. Don't, don't try to you know, follow somebody else's method. You, you probably know people that are just super outgoing. And I mean, they just, it just seems like the gospel just comes out of their mouths, wherever they are, whatever they're doing. It's just you know, anybody, anywhere. And, and, and you think, I don't think I could be like that. Well, if that's not how God has cut you, know, cut you out and wired you, then okay, be genuine. But people know, don't you know when somebody is, is, is being genuine with you or not? That's why, although I think it's important for us to have a strategy for how to share our faith, I would never want anybody to get so hung up on, okay, am I on step one or step two or three? Did I miss this or miss that? You know, just be genuine. Have a conversation with somebody where you're interested and listen to them and understand who they are and get to know them and care about them as individuals. If you are genuine, people will notice. The same lady that wrote the, the, the book I mentioned a moment ago was telling a story from her college days, and she said she was having a conversation with another uh, college student, and at first she seemed interested, and then she just kind of checked out, you know? And you can just kind of sometimes tell it's like she just wasn't listening, but she said, I just found myself, I just kept going on and on and on and on, and finally I stopped, and I said, I'm sorry. Am I coming on too strong? I don't want it to feel like I'm trying to cram this down your throat. And she said the girl just kind of, Eyes popped open wide, and she was shocked. And she said, I never knew that, that Christians understood that we hate being the recipient of a running monologue. And, and then she responded to her and said, well, actually, most Christians I know don't share their faith because they're afraid that they are going to offend someone. This was the girl's response. She said, but as long as you let people know that you're aware of where they're coming from, you can say anything you want, and you can just tell Christians I said so a lot of truth to that if you just you know care about people let them know be honest with people let me encourage you to do this if you're nervous and sharing your faith with somebody you feel like this is an opportunity but tell them you know this this might sound kind of weird and I'm actually a little bit nervous to even tell you this but but can I share something with you that's been meaningful to me I'll tell you that if you're genuine with people and they know where you're coming from it's a totally different ball game than feeling like you're just trying to shove something down someone's throat. I know one of the things that was most um, impactful for me before I became a believer was finding other believers that were real, you know, that, that people that I could relate to, that, that I liked and, and was able to develop a relationship with. That's a big deal. And so just be genuine, be honest. Uh, you know, if, if you are inviting someone to respond in faith to Christ and you realize there's a little bit of hesitation there, um, which, by the way, please do at least give that opportunity for someone to respond in faith. But, but if they're hesitant, I've said something like this before. Look, I, you know, I, I don't want you to feel like I'm trying to pressure you. It's just that this is something I believe in very strongly, and, and I would love to see you respond because I know the difference it'll make. But if you're not ready, then that's, that's cool. You know? Let me know when you are or if you have further questions. It's okay. To, in fact, it's a good thing to be very genuine with people when it comes to sharing your faith. Well, I feel like there's so much more to talk about here and we could go on and on, but I, I wanna just spend the last few minutes in a visual demonstration of something, uh, a tool that you can use that I like, it's called the Three Circles. Uh, it is something that you can use with a piece of paper. There's even a phone app, as Josh pointed out to me earlier, uh, that you can have on your phone or you can just, you know, anytime you have a pen and paper, you can just draw this for somebody and, and uh, a real simple way to share your faith. So I'm going to come over here if we could light up the, the board over here and um, let me make sure I grab my, my marker so I can show you this. 
You get to see my incredible art skills too, by the way. It's pretty bad, but uh, I'm going to do it anyway. So uh, if you have a, a, a pen and a paper, and, um, you know, and, and by the way, we're going to provide some training for you, as I'll talk about in a minute, on just how to do this. It's really, really a simple presentation to learn. And if you can't quite see the board, it is up on the screen for you there. Uh, but, but here's how we begin with a reality that I think most people already recognize, and that is the fact that we live in a broken world. We see that all over the place. We see that with COVID. We see that with all the division in our country. We see it uh, with you know, marriages that are struggling, whatever, you name it. We, we, we live in brokenness. However, that is not how God originally designed the world to be. And thankfully, we are able to see traces of beauty and, and love. I mean, you can see this in the way people can love one another. You see it in the laugh of a child. I mean, we see it in the beauty of creation. We see traces of God's beauty. The problem is that we, we ran away from God. And as a result of running away from God, there, there was a separation between us and God. You know, the Bible has a word for this. The Bible word is the word sin. And because we have run away from God, we find ourselves trapped in this world of brokenness. Now, we do everything we can to get ourselves out of brokenness. You know, we may try um, being successful in a job or accumulating wealth. We may try to get out of brokenness through relationships, thinking that if I just find that right person or if I have that child or whatever, that that'll fix the problem. Sometimes we self-medicate, drugs, alcohol, whatever, as an attempt to get out of brokenness. The problem is that all of these things just work like a bungee cord. We just get snapped right back into brokenness, and we can't get out. Well, God knew that, and so he decided to do something for us that we could never do for ourselves. So what God did was, I don't know why I have trouble starting that. He sent us Jesus. Jesus is God in human flesh who came from heaven to earth, died on the cross, and when he died for us, he canceled out our sin. As we said a moment ago, the story doesn't end there. He rose from the dead. And as a result of that, Jesus has become the door for us to get out of this world of brokenness. Now the question is, then what do we need to do? How do we get from here into a relationship with Jesus? And there's two words that we need to know. The first one, is the word believe. We believe that Jesus really is who he claimed to be, that he really was qualified to die on the cross, that he rose from the dead. But that's not enough. We need to believe. But the second part of that is the word surrender. See, here's another way of, of thinking about surrender. 
is to make Jesus the king of our life. And when we do that, when we come to a point of belief and surrender, here's the amazing thing that happens. It's that we are restored into right relationship with God. And we become, and we saw this verse just a moment ago, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. We become a new creation in Christ. God makes us new. Now here's the question that I want to ask you, and this is a question, if you're sharing this, that you would want to ask the person that you're talking to, but I want to ask you this question. We find ourselves in one of these two places. Either we are in right relationship with God through Christ, or we find ourselves still trapped in a world of brokenness. The question that I have for you is, which of these two, if you're being honest, which of these two, where do you find yourself today? Are you still trapped in brokenness? Or have you come to a point of belief and surrender to Jesus so that you are in relationship with Christ? Now, the second part to that question that I would encourage you to ask as you have opportunity to share that, but I want to ask you this morning is this, if you're still in brokenness, is there any reason why you would not want to give your heart to Jesus today? Is there anything stopping you from that? And if the answer is no, and you understand this is a significant commitment, this is, this is you surrendering control of your life to Christ, but He'll make you new, then you can pray a simple prayer of faith Trust and surrender, as we said a moment ago, belief and surrender. And you can become new in Christ. In fact, I want us to do that now. Let's close with a prayer together. Would you bow your head with me? And if today you are ready to get out of that world of brokenness, and you want to become a new creation in Christ, and you're ready to believe and to surrender your life to Him, then I want you to pray a prayer, something like this in your heart. God knows your heart. It's not about the words, but God knows your heart. Just something like this. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you didn't leave me in brokenness. I know that I'm sinful, that I have turned away from you. But Lord Jesus, I do believe that you died to pay the penalty and to cancel out my sin. So right now, I tell you that I believe in you. I surrender my life to you. Be my king. And thank you for accepting me into your family today. In your name I pray. Amen.